evening. It's whatever Sunday evening is, uh, is advertised as. And uh, I, I want to talk about leadership tonight. Many, many, over half a century ago, I sat in the first uh, I guess a devotional chapel, whatever you want to call it, in the uh, morning of a new year at Texas Bible College. It was the first day of uh, class, and our speaker that day was Brother V. A. Gidrose, who was the district superintendent for the Texas district back when it was one big Texas district, uh, including everything except the western part of Texas that I came from, which was part of the Texaco district that include western Texas, New Mexico, and Colorado. Uh, 1,500 miles from one end of that district to the other, but then everything else was was a Texas district, and Brother Gidrose welcomed us as people who were making a bid to be on the working side of the church. And I'm going to presume tonight that you are here because you are interested in being part of the working side of the church. I would like to speak to you this evening about the clash of leaders. It seems that it should be just real easy to be a leader in God's kingdom. You just hear what God promises and you lead in that direction. You, you go. Uh, but it's not always that easy because we don't always clearly understand what he says or we don't properly interpret what he says or we get our own ideas mixed in with what he says. I thought about subtitling this leaders and misleaders but I thought a clash of leaders, that's because we, we don't like many times the, the idea of, of uh, clash and having to make decisions and, and figuring out what's right and what's not right. And, but one of the things that leaders have to do is they have to make decisions. When you go to the polls next year to vote for uh, a great array of, of uh, representatives, really that's what they ought to be instead of our leaders under our system of government. They're representatives, not leaders, <clears throat> supposedly. Misleaders, that's where that comes in too. But uh, uh, you, are, you will most likely make many of your decisions on how you perceive that they will make decisions. What decisions will they come to? What, 
what direction will their decisions send us? So I'd like to go to Numbers chapter 13 and begin with verse 26. I have a, a fairly lengthy reading tonight, but I think you'll recognize the story. If you don't, you have some catching up to do. And uh, so we'll start with Numbers 13 and verse 26, and they, uh, this from the King James. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Uh, those of you who have been to my home and small group or whatever have, have uh, had the opportunity at least to see a, a carving that uh, came from Israel. I've never been to Israel, but the carving came from there. And it is of two men with a pole between them and a huge cluster of grapes carried on that pole. That's, that's scriptural. That's, uh, it was carried by, they just cut down one cluster of grapes and it took two men to haul it back. And they showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we, come unto, we came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, it's like the word but. Uh, what follows after the word but takes away what preceded that word. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell by the, in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coasts of Jordan. There's somebody already settled in everywhere. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. They're huge, they're big. Rough, tough. And there we saw, besides these big men, we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight. This is how we look to us, us comparing us to them as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. I just know they were seeing us that way. Uh, 
I have a problem. I have a problem with journalism. I, I took some journalism in school, and, and one of the things a journalist is supposed to do, in fact, about the only thing a journalist is supposed to do, is report the news. As uh, Jack Webb said on uh, uh, many, many years ago, before I received the Holy Ghost and used to, to watch Dragnet, he'd always tell him, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. And uh, that's exactly what these 12 spies were sent out for, to spy out the land and bring back a report of the land. And that's the way they started. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. This is the fruit of it. It's a great land. It's a productive land. But then they added in as many journalists seem to do today on all sides of the questions, their opinions, their take on it. This is a great land, but let's first look at the facts. It is a land that flows with milk and honey. You can See them as I behind me as I read them. Uh, uh, it has good, and for good also read large fruit. It is a land of strong people. It's it's not a land that that uh, causes weakness and sickness. I've I've since I've moved up here. I've I've heard of people talking about various areas of, of Delaware where uh, there was uh, chemical production and, and all of these things that were made and that it is uh, contaminated, they feel like it's contaminated the land and there, there are health problems that have been uh, worse in the areas of Delaware because of the pollution that was involved in it. But this land was a land that produced strong people. If you live there, you could be healthy. You could grow up and, and, and be uh, good and, and strong and solid people. Now, there were great walled cities, but you don't have great cities, walls or not, in a place that the land is, uh, that the ground is not productive. So this, even though it was cast in a negative light, the great walled cities were also a positive. The sons of Anak were there. They were giants. Well, it takes something to become a giant. It takes some nourishment we talked about, I used the term ethnic group, but that's really not what I was trying to say. What I was trying to, to say here is, is that these were strong peoples that were in the land. 
the Hittites. Uh, several years back, I, I was doing a little research and, and ran across an article on the Hittites and, and the fact that for many, many years, folks had even wondered who the Hittites might have been or, or what they were doing in the land. And then they found north of Israel that there was a, a place that was the source, the, the home country of the Hittites, and that they were a, a very strong and a very warlike people. The Jebusites were the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and they were a people who had not been defeated. They defended that city. They kept control of that city for somewhere in the neighborhood of 500 years after the Israelites got there until David finally took it away from them. These are strong people. The Amorites, the Canaanites, Canaanites gave them problems forever. But they came back instead of just a report like was asked of them. Ten of them came back with a scaredy-cat judgment. We can't do this. If you want somebody to lead you, I'll lead you someplace else. So let's look at the assumptions with the actualities. I, I'm always amused when people in presenting their arguments become contradictory before they shut the sentence down. It's a land that eateth up the inhabitants. That in 1332 is numbers. Just in case you wonder, I'm fixing this so you can keep track of it if you wish. And we because it's a land that eats up the inhabitants who are strong people. They're that strong and the land's eating them up. You got to have it one way or the other. You're holding contradictory statements here. You're not thinking clearly. Are they a people who are being destroyed by the land or is it a land that flows with milk and honey? Which is it? It can't be both. God said go, but we are not able to do it. Which is it? It's a land that flows with milk and honey and as, as Caleb said, we are well able it's a different mindset of a leader who has heard the voice of God, understands the command of God, and no matter what it looks like, you see, it was a land of strong people that should have been an encouragement to them, but instead they let the facts frighten them and made them get all of their exercise by jumping to conclusions. We are not able, next slide, to go up against the people for they are stronger. Oh, yeah. It's easy 
to look at somebody who seems confident and project all of your fears in the form of their strength. How many times have you heard somebody talk that that is being lauded, that is being uh, honored for their heroism, for their for their great uh, actions, for something that they have done, and then comes the moment of truth when they are handed the mic and they let you know, I was scared silly when that happened. We always see other people's strength and courage. And we also, at the same time, know all of our weaknesses and deficiencies. But a leader must lead where God said, in spite of feelings. The word of God always trumps our feelings. It always supersedes our opinions. If you're going to lead, do it. Well, we can't do that. Oh, yeah, you can. God said you could. Go, go do it. Now, let me take you that uh, J2 and 11. That's Judge, uh, Joshua. Let me take you for <coughs> 40 years or thereabouts after Numbers 13, 31, when they said, we can't go up because these people are stronger, they're, they're more warlike, we can't, they, they just mop up the floor with us, we, we can't do it, they've got it all together and we're coming apart. Well, some of them were coming apart, but it wasn't God's fault. And there are two spies, <laughs> didn't send out 12 this time, two seemed to be a good number to go get, get a right opinion sent two spies to Jericho. And those two spies found a woman in Jericho by the name of Rahab. And she talked to those spies and told them about how the people of that city who were representatives of the people of that land, how they really felt about it, their viewpoint. You see, the, the spies from the camp of Israel had gone and said, we look like grasshoppers to them. We just know it. We just know that they saw a bunch of grasshoppers when they saw us. She said, when we heard you were coming, our hearts did melt. And she, she wasn't talking about them destroying Og, king of Bashan, and Sihon. Og and Sihon, they figured into it, but their fear of the nation of Israel, she took it all the way back, they had heard how God had opened the Red Sea 40 years before, and that was scaring them silly all that time. 
They, they said, we, we can't do it. These people are stronger than we are. But then 40 years after they finally got in the land, they found out that there was no more courage in any of us. All the strength you can muster up is no good if you don't have courage to do something with it. May I give you a quote? May I give you a quote from a man who is recognized as a great military leader, a man who conquered a major portion of the world. His name, well, we call him Alexander the Great. May I have the next slide? Is it on there? Or did I mess up? Is that up there? Okay, there's Alexander the Great. It's not here. Alexander the Great said, I am not afraid of an army of lions led by a sheep. I am afraid of an army of sheep led by a lion. Let me let you in on a little secret. The thing so many times that's so important, if you want to be a leader, keep it in mind. The real power does not lie in the strength of the army. The real power lies in the strength of the leader out front. Alexander said it. Sheep are dangerous when they're led by a lion. When they're following someone who is convinced he can do it. But lions led by sheep, that's what we've got at Kadesh Barnea. The nation of Israel was a nation of lions, but the ten spies were sheep. And they were not able because of this clash of leaders who would not believe God. They were not able to go up and take the country. Oh, I'm, I'm so weak. I'm not really strong. I'm not a good fighter. <clears throat> Find you a lion. Find you somebody that believes God and fall in behind them. Hold up Moses' hands. Leaders, leaders, leaders. It's not easy being a leader.
Sometimes when you, even when you are the lion and you look back and see a bunch of sheep behind you, you <laughs> Lord, can we do this? Oh, by the way, let me, let me throw in here just, just extra. Just. Did you notice that when Joshua had the people march for seven days around the walls of Jericho, that one of the things that was required of them was nobody talk. Nobody talk. Because 40 years earlier, there had been a lot of talking. And they talked themselves out of the promised land. There are times when the best thing you can say is nothing. When the Lord has said it, go with it. You'll become a great leader. Now, Brother Moss, you, you're a prime example of this. No, 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 no. That's why we need leadership sessions. That's why we need to remind each other. That's why we need to go to the scriptures. A good friend of mine one time told me, if you live long enough, you will see every story in the Bible repeated before you in your lifetime. Sometimes we stand on the brink of greatness and somebody comes with discouraging judgments. We can't do this. It's too much. Uh, it, it just can't be done. We were in a a little building in an area of town that when I went to borrow money to buy the building, the banker said, we really need a church in that area. It's a very depressed part of town. But because it's a depressed part of town, we can't loan you any money. <clears throat> Joseph Heller wrote a book about that type of situation. He called it Catch-22. Several years later, we were still, we had rounded up the money from an, a source outside of the banking industry. That's another great story all by itself. And our payments were a little under, I mean, we're talking a few cents, under $100 a month. And Peter had to watch his billfold, or we'd get something out of it to give to Paul. 
in order to make those payments. And the Lord let us know it's time to build. It's time to get someplace else here. We found two acres of land on the other side of town. It would send our payments to $300 a month. We could not make $100 a month with any regularity and status ease. We could do it, but it wasn't anywhere. They didn't have our pictures in the dictionary next to the word easy. But it was the will of the Lord. And somehow we made a six-year note and paid it off in three years. And then it was time to build. And the architect that we rounded up or volunteered or however it all happened took our plans that we had drawn, made up the plans that the city, the county would accept, and he told us this is a hundred and it's a two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, it's a quarter million dollar church to build this. And we were just rejoicing that we had made three hundred dollars a month. I had people tell me, you can't do that. Well, that's the wrong thing to tell me. Even if the Lord wasn't in it, that's the wrong thing to tell me. Especially if the Lord's not in it, that's the wrong thing to tell me. We poured the foundation. We were laying block. Some of the folks had been out on visitation trying to get people to come to our church that was on the other side of town. They came by where we were laying block. For the, came over to where I was. Sister Moss, I believe, was the one that brought it and handed me a check for $1,500. Somebody drilled an oil well and wanted to give us some money to help build the church. Don't tell me we can't do it. You can't design, design a church. I did design a church. Well, you can't, you can't build it. I was general contractor on that church. See, I was led by a lion. I may be a sheep, but I'm led by a lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when you're following the lion of the tribe of Judah, a sheep, you can do anything. You can do what he says to do. Now, these ethnic groups, these, these fighting groups, they, they frighten the, the children of Israel, the, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, and the Canaanites. And they, they were just, their knees were knocking, their hands were shaking, they didn't know what to do. And when they got in the land, God said, I'm going to, you're going to overcome the Jebusites, you're going to overcome the Hittites, you're going to overcome the Amorites, you're going to overcome the Canaanites. And boy, by the way, there are three groups over here, the Hivites, Perizzites, and Girgashites that you didn't even know about, and I'm going to chase them out for you too. 
There are things we don't know we're going to face, but God's already made provision to take care of the problem if you'll go. I have fun with this sometimes. And I get to talking about the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hevites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, and the electric lights. Whatever it is, God will take care of it. God will take care of it. Do you believe him? Do you have faith in him? Will you sheep follow the lion of the tribe of Judah? He's going somewhere. I heard a preacher say one time he, he, he wanted to be like a big great Dane or a St. Bernard or some big dog. He, he said, I, I want to be walking down the street, just, just heading down the street, and there's a little, he used the term feist dog. Now, I don't know what a feist dog is, but I think it's a chihuahua <laughs> or something along that line. He said, and the feist dog's up on the porch just to yap, yip, 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 yip. He said, I'm not going to pay any attention to him. I'm a big dog going somewhere. Let them, let them make their judgments. Let them say it can't be done. Let them come to the place where uh, we can't do that. That's too much. Uh, are you sure? I'm sure of him. I may not be sure of me. I may be shaking in my boots, but if I can help it, I'm not going to let you know about it. We were only in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. There is a psychological term. Oh, I gotta hurry. It's too late. <laughs> it's called projection. And that is that whatever somebody is doing, they accuse their adversaries of it. it I, I, I just enjoy sitting around and, and, and watching some of the things that are going that not only now, but through the years. And I know what somebody's doing by what they're accusing somebody else of. And if you wait long enough, you'll find out that that's so. That they're, they're the ones that are doing it. But I, I guess a little twist on that would be where, and there may be some other psychological term for it, where we have an opinion of ourselves and we project that onto everybody else's opinion of us. We were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and we're sure that's the way they saw us too. We just, we, we just know it. They just they looked down on us. We were <clears throat> but again, let's go back to Rahab's place and hear her report from the other side. She said, your terror is fallen upon us. Inhabitants of the land faint because of you. That does not sound like they saw a few grasshoppers. 
God wants us to lead where he has directed us. I'm talking about leadership tonight. I'm talking about how God wants to use all of us if we'll let him, if we'll, if we'll look at the facts instead of the commentary. Somebody said one time, talking about commentaries, they said it's, it's really amazing how much light the Bible can throw on the commentaries. They said, in that land there are great walled cities. And... <clears throat> Yeah, now obviously this is not one of those cities. They didn't have many iPhones to take pictures of them back then, so I had to get something more modern. But great walled cities. But you know what the Bible says about the walls of Jericho. They fell down flat. A lot of good that did them, didn't it? And if you stop and think about it, Walls really speak of weakness and fear. If you're not afraid, why do you need a wall? How many walled cities do we have in the United States? The walls fell down. Our, our, our biggest enemy is in our own minds. what we think people think. When we look at something that, that is a, a negative on their side and turn it to a positive for them. Oh, they've got these great walled cities. That means they must be afraid of something. We saw there the giants, the sons of Anak. And 40... Five years after that report, Caleb, who was still tottering around there, or however he was doing it, Caleb, at the age of 85, drove thence the three sons of Anak, Shishai, and Hyman and Talmai, Caleb at 85 years of age was able to take care of three giants and you shout about David and one. Caleb was a leader. Caleb was a leader because he believed God. Now, let's look at some, some other scriptures here just a little bit, and I'll, I'm going to try to find the brakes. The accelerator works real well, but the brakes are worn out. Numbers 14 and 2, they were, they were fussing at, at Moses and at Aaron and at Joshua and Caleb. Would God we had died in this wilderness? And then in Numbers 14 and 29, God told them, your carcasses will fall in this wilderness. Well, we can't do this. Well, they were right. They couldn't do it. Not because of any lack on God's part, but because of a lack of 
their own belief and their lack of following godly leadership. We're well able to go up and take the judgment or the country, but instead they pronounced their own judgment upon themselves. The next verse in Numbers 14 and 3, And wherefore hath the Lord God brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? You know, fear, fear says some stupid things. Fear says some things that, that absolutely are untrue. Do you realize, they said, if we do this, our children will be lost. Our children will become a prey. Our families will be destroyed. But it was those very children and their children who conquered the land. Don't tell me it can't be done. Don't tell me that they cannot stand true. Don't tell me the next generation is not strong enough and will not do well enough to carry on this message and this truth. There are lands that they will conquer if they will follow godly leadership and they will be led by godly leadership. The children conquered the land. Our assumptions of fear the contagion of doubt, the distrust of your own and your congregation's God-anointed abilities are what hold back the work. Oh, I, I, I think we got plenty to be afraid of. God's on your side. I know what fear feels like. I also thank God know what it feels like to see God move in ways that just leave you with your jaw hanging open. Contagion of doubt. Sometimes the best thing you can do, one of the best things you can do is just don't listen to people. Just don't listen to what they're saying. And don't doubt that people love God and want to do what's right. I believe it was George Patton, United States General, who said, don't tell people how to do things. Tell them what you want done, and they'll amaze you. <laughs> that was a different general. <laughs> Numbers 14 and 24. And I'm closing with this one, maybe. We had a clash of leaders. We had 10 men that were without faith, 10 men full of fear, 10 men that didn't do their job, they came back with more than they had been sent out to get. They, they came back not with just a report, but they came back with their own fearful opinions. And the Lord said, 
but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit within him. I think that might have been the spirit of the lion. Hath followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Oh, but he stood against everybody, and he wasn't in the majority, and leaders seldom are. In fact, leader means it's not majority. It's somebody out front, somebody with faith. A clash of leaders. You'll always have those that say you can't, it won't work. Is anything too hard for our God? Let's stand. And let's ask God to make us the leaders he wants us to be. Dear Jesus, oh God, move in our hearts. No matter what our natural inclination is, oh God, use us as leaders in your kingdom. Help us to see beyond our fears. God, to see beyond everything that would war against our, our believing you. Oh, God, touch and help us. Direct us in your, in your way that we can see victory. We are well able to go up and take the country, to possess the land from Jordan to the sea. Giants will be there. Oh, God, but we can chase them out with your help. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do. Lord bless you. You're dismissed.